first is a family of Christ followers who love, live, and lead. But this didn't start with us. We're a part of something Jesus established while he was on earth when he told his followers that he would build his church and the gates of hell couldn't even come against it. Let's explore what it means to be empowered by Christ and sent out on mission. We carry the torch of what Jesus started and what Christians for centuries have continued. This is us. We begin a new series today uh, called This Is Us. It's a three-week series in which we look at um, the Word of God, but we also remind ourselves of where we've been for, for um, three years. We've been operating under a vision that we casted a little over three years ago, and uh, that, that vision uh, was something we spent a lot of time on in our church, and as you get things going, sometimes it is uh, something that we don't always remember, or, or I mean, it's still there, it's still operating, but it's not um, at the forefront because we're doing ministry, we're working, and so we thought it would be helpful for us to look at that series to understand or this idea of this is us, this is who we are, this is what God has called us. Uh, to do. This is how he's called us to live. And so we want to do that. We want to get ourselves uh, oriented around that idea and that thought. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 16 today as we look at this to see who we are, what we've been called to do, and what God wants us to do as a church family. Trying to pull up my notes here. All right. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to look at what God has called us to do. We're a part of this body of Christ that was established over 2,000 years ago. It's not just something that we do at this moment. It's not just something that we are a part of for us. It's not just something that is for Lafayette first. It is something that God has called us to, and we are a part of something greater than us, bigger than us, that's lasted for thousands of years. This idea of being a group of Christ followers to live out his passion, live out his ministry, live out his mission, and that's what we are seeking to do. That's what we are trying to do as a church. So I want to remind us of kind of where we've been, what we have done, what we looked at three years ago when we said, hey, what is God calling us to do? This vision that we casted, this idea that we set out forth with has guided every step of our direction since then. And it was that we wanted to be that, a family of Christ followers who love, live, and lead. And during that vision casting 
time. We met, uh, there was a group of folks you voted on, 12 folks that met and determined what is God calling us to do. And we developed these things. One of the things that we did as we looked at the demographics of the surrounding five mile, um, uh, five miles from our church, what did the people look like that God has called us to? You know, God established this church in 1835, but God is big enough not just to establish a church for that day. He's big enough to, ch- to establish that church for all the days that that church would be alive. And so God placed us here with a mission to accomplish, to carry out his mission for the world to see, to carry out his vision and what he's called us to. And so we looked at who, is the, who are the people that we've been called to, and we determined that the average age of this area is 39 years old. And so we determined, let's let that be kind of our target, our idea of who we're going to reach, how we're going to try to reach them, the people that are here. It doesn't mean that we only reach 39-year-olds. That's not the goal. The goal is to reach anybody in this area. But let's target in. Let's hone in on that. And we've done that. And it's working. It's working. God is moving in that way in our church. He's adding those types of people, those, that age group, that age range. God is moving and working. We just baptized for the seventh week in a row. That is unreal. I've been told, praise God, praise God, I've been told that from what people can remember, there's not been a seven weeks of baptisms in a long time. Let's make it eight. Wouldn't that be awesome? God is working. God is moving. And through this vision, through this thing that we said, God, what do you want us to do three years ago? God has continually worked in amazing ways. We have been able to establish seven ministry teams. And those seven ministry teams are working and moving and uh, those seven ministry teams are outreach, um, first impressions, worship, assimilation, discipleship, uh, next gen, and care. And our deacons and our ministry leaders are working and crafting ministries and crafting pathways, and we are prepared to do what God is bringing to us. We're able to manage. We're able to use those things that we've been able to set up in place. We've recently cast the vision for assimilation, and what that means is just helping people to step into the life of the church. And one of the ways we do that is through our Belong class. And that begins next week. If you'd like to learn more about what it's like to be a part of this church, what it means to be a part of this church, and what all these things that we're talking about are, come next week. It's just out these doors. Hang the first left once you exit this little area. Right like you're going to the men's restroom and keep going straight. You'll end right there at 10 o'clock. Belong is a three-week class that meets at 10 o'clock in that room that will help you learn what it's like to love, live, and lead, and to belong to the church. That's our, part of our assimilation process that we've worked on. Recently, our discipleship team launched a discipleship pathway, a pathway 
to Christ's likeness so that anyone coming into this church can say, if I want to be more like Christ, these are the things that I do. And we launch that. And God is working, and God is moving, and God is using these things that we as a church decided, that we as a church even voted on three years ago. God is using them to be a part of the movement of his mission and his gospel and his call to us as a church. In this passage today, we're going to see how Jesus establishes this thing that we get to be a part of and what it was established on from the very beginning. Would you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16 and read with me verses 13 through 18. If you're able, would you stand as we read God's Word? When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? I want you to key in on that phrase, that question, because it's a question we all must answer. Who do people say that I am? Who do you say Jesus is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? And that's the question we must all answer. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Jesus responded, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. That phrase that Jesus stated, that question, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? A question that you and I must answer for ourselves. A question that you and I as a church must know the answer to. It was that question that he, and the answer that Peter gave that Jesus says, that's the thing. That's the thing you must know. That's the thing that I'm going to establish all of this on. That's the thing that we must do, you must do in my name to spread that message that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the promised one, the one who was to come, the one who would save, the anointed one from God. And Jesus said, if you build your, if, or I will build my church on that statement, on me, I'm the cornerstone. I, I am the, I'm the cornerstone. I am the thing, the foundation that this is built upon. So the first thing we see here is that Jesus established a movement that would have turned the world upside down. Being a part of the church is not merely a religious exercise. It's not merely a religious exercise. For some people it is, but that's not what it was intended to be. 
Jesus said in this moment, he says, I will build my church on that active statement that you are the Messiah, you are the anointed one, you are God's anointed for the task of carrying the message of the gospel of salvation to the entire world. And Jesus says, that is what I will build my church on. That word in that passage, church, is the Greek word ekklesia. Ekklesia. Ekklesia means assembly. Ekklesia means called out assembly. So what Jesus is saying is saying, I will build a church. I will build a movement of people that I am calling out from every walk of life, from every nation, tongue, and people group. And I will bring them out, bring them together, and send them out again with my message. This is a movement that you and I get to be a part of. It's not just something we do every week where we come and sit and listen to songs and listen to some guy preach and walk out and think, well, you know, I did, did my duty today. I feel pretty good about myself. I think I'll go have a Sunday afternoon nap after I go to uh, Clara's or wherever you go, Wendy's. I know we all go, we have our spots. It's not just that. This is something we get to be a part of that Jesus established by calling us out and calling us together so that we could be sent out again. This is a movement that he established, not merely, not merely, not merely just something we do. Eventually, in Acts chapter 17, we see those very words when Paul and his entourage walk into this place and the government there is like, wait a second, these guys, we've heard about them. They are turning the world upside down. This movement was not meant to be passive. It was not meant to be something that we just kind of do and we kind of operate in our little section and the rest of the world operates in theirs. No, it was supposed to be a movement that infiltrates the surrounding culture and the surrounding context and the surrounding community and makes a lasting impact wherever it goes. In Acts chapter 17, it turned the world upside down. And now, unfortunately, churches are powerless <clears throat> because they try to do things in their own strength and not in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus established a movement for us to be a part of. That is what we are to do. That is what we are a part of and get to be a part of so that we use our gifts and talents and the calling that God has given us to accomplish what we can only accomplish together. Did you know that God has placed every single one of you, even if you're a guest here today, he has placed every single one of us in this moment for a reason and a purpose. He's moving in your heart and working in your life so that you can be used for a purpose, for his purpose, for his glory. And we'd love for you to be a part of that here and the movement of what's to come. 
What if God would continue to move and work in our congregation so that we just have to keep the water in the baptistry pool the whole stinking time because every week we're dunking people and telling the whole world that God is moving here and working here and changing lives here. Wouldn't that be amazing? You and I are a part of it. You and I carry the message. We go to the, the world, the highways and the byways to help people to see you need Jesus. We have the answer. Please come and hear about him. Please come and be a part of it. Please come. That's the second point here, is that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. That's what that word means. And we carry the banner of his mission into all the world. It goes out into the world because we do the work to take it to everywhere we can. A lot of the movement of God we are seeing, a lot of it, and I bless God, I praise God, it's in the life of children. You know why? Because we had a, we had a ministry called Airborne. And God began speaking into the hearts of kids that he was already speaking into the hearts of. And one after one after one after one, we've met with these children, shared with them how to trust in Jesus. And God is using that mission of the church, the thing that we did, the thing that we did together, and he used it. Imagine if we did it year-round, not just once a year at Airborne, but year-round where we got together and said, let me use my talents to go tell people about Jesus. We would see the fruit like we are seeing it now. Again and again and again and again. We carry the banner of his mission into the world. Jesus says to them, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. Christos is the word. The son of the living God. And Jesus says, that is the thing I am establishing this movement upon. That I am the anointed one, I am the Christ, and I've come to save people from their sins. Jesus said in Luke, he says, I came to seek and save the lost. We get to be a part of that mission to carry the banner of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, that your sins can be washed away, washed white as snow, clean. We carry that. We carry that message to the entire world. It is the message of that there is a Messiah who came to seek and save the lost. We carry that banner. Can I take a moment and just say... If you are here today and the thing that you are here on is anything other than the banner of Jesus Christ, you come on false pretenses. You come on the wrong thing. We are here today because Jesus has saved us and he's put on our lips the gospel message to help other people to be saved as well. And that is what the movement is about. 
The movement is not about what I want and my preferences. The movement is about Jesus and his message going out to the lost world around us through us. That's what the message of Jesus Christ is about. That's what the mission of Lafayette First ought to be. That we are a family of, of Christ followers. We've been called out and called together. But then we've been sent out as well to live, love, and lead is how we say it. It's just our fancy way of saying what the whole Bible tells us to do, to go and make disciples and help people to follow Christ and live for him. God has worked and is working because we established a vision three years ago and because during all that time we've been praying and praying and praying that God would work and move and he has answered our prayers. He has heard our prayers. Did you know at this very moment and every week at this time, there are people in our chapel praying for our service. God is hearing our prayers. We are doing the work of our Savior, and He is heeding our prayers. The third thing we see in this passage is, is that Jesus is the master over all things. Even the powers of hell cannot come against his church. It says that he's the Messiah, the son of the living God. He controls it all. He says in this passage, not even the gates of hell can prevail against the Christ, the, 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 the Christ-following church, the Christ-following gathering of called-out ones, assembled believers who come in week after week and hear the word of God and pump ourselves up so that we can go out again into the world together and individually to affect it. And that when we do that, when we are mounted up in that way, according to his way, not ours, even hell cannot prevail against it. I've talked a lot about spiritual warfare lately. Number one, just by looking at the book of Revelation, we've seen the spiritual warfare that is happening, will happen, and has happened. On Wednesday nights, I encourage you, I'd love, love for you to be a part of our, our study. On Wednesday nights, we've been talking about spiritual warfare. We'll continue to do that for about nine weeks. The reason we're talking about it is, number one, I feel like that's what God wants me to do. Number two is because I think we need it because we are experiencing spiritual warfare. As much as God is moving in our midst, Satan is trying to thwart it. But here's the promise. If we establish this thing on Christ and his message and his gospel, no matter what the enemy throws our way, it will fall, it will fail. It will not work. But... If we are doing this in our own strength, according to our own ways, according to our own ideas, then it will fail. Spiritual warfare, we've been working from a, a definition out of a book that I'm, I'm using to structure my lesson each week. 
And this is what that definition says. The, uh, the definition of spiritual warfare is the ongoing battle between the church and the devil and his forces with the church standing ready in the armor of God, defensively resisting the devil and offensively proclaiming the gospel in a battle already won. Here's my plea today, and here's the, the call to response today. Will you stand ready in the armor of God? Will you stand with me as your pastor, ready to do the work of God in this community, whatever that means, whatever that looks like? I've been praying a prayer every morning. I learned this about six months ago. It's PACE. It's just a simple acronym. It helps me remember what I'm supposed to pray every day. PACE is praise. I praise Him. I lift my hands in the air and I praise Him. And whatever is on my heart and my mind in that moment, I, I say or I do. And I praise Him. And I accept. Pr praise, accept. Lord, I accept what you have brought to me. I, I accept the gifts that you have given me. I accept that I am accepted in you, that I'm your child and that your blood covers my sin and that because of Christ, I am accepted by God. I praise, I accept, and I, I actually hold my hands out and accept. I accept your gifts to me, Lord. I accept the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be used by you. Those are the things I pray every day. C, help me to relinquish control of all the areas of my life that aren't quite relinquished yet, God. Be, help me to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Help me to hunger and thirst after your righteousness, God. Help me to, to relinquish control of areas of my life that still need to be given to you. And the final thing that I say, and this is the thing that I want to focus on today, as I say, God, whatever today brings. This is the only September uh, 18th, 2022 that I will ever have. Whatever you bring my way, may I embrace it today for you. It was a few weeks ago after praying that prayer, just like I've done every day, that I received a phone call at church a 19-year-old young mother, her boyfriend, 20, 21, I think. And she says, I want to be baptized. And I said, well, why do you want to be baptized? They both came and sat in my office, and I proceeded to realize they wanted to be saved. They wanted their eternity to be secured. She did. She wanted her eternity to be secure. He was a supportive boyfriend. And so I felt out the situation to see where I needed to go, and God just helped me use something I used to use when I was 16 year old, uh, 16 year old, and I would go with my church and knock on doors and share the Romans road with people, and I learned how to do that. And in this moment, I just decided that's what I needed. God gave it to me. I hadn't used it in years, it's exactly as it's prescribed. I've used the verses, but 
So I walked her through that, and as I'm walking her through that, she's eager. He seems real interested, but at the beginning I said, hey, are you interested in following Christ either, or is that just something she is? He says, well, I believe in God, but I believe in pagan stuff as well, to which I you know, kind of gulped and thought, I don't know where this is going to go, but we'll see. I proceed to tell her how to receive the gospel, how to receive Jesus as her Savior. She prays on my couch in my office to receive Jesus as her Savior. Remember, I prayed, Lord, whatever you bring my way, help me to embrace it. She receives Christ there. It was awesome. It was amazing. I was so excited. And I turned to him and I said, Sir, you seem real interested. Would you like to receive Christ as well? He'd heard everything that I said to her. He engaged with it just as much as she did. And I said, would you like to receive Christ as well? Would you like to be forgiven of your sins? Would you like to secure your eternity in heaven? Would you like to know Christ as well? And he says, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> he proceeded to pray the most genuine prayer of salvation. A man who thought he believed in pagan things in that moment gave it his life over to Jesus Christ. I had nothing to do with that. They sought us out. I wish I, wish I could say I went out and you know, found people to lead to the Lord in that moment. Um, it just didn't happen that way. But I do think I was ready because I had readied my own heart to say, Lord, let me embrace whatever you bring my way today. So I keep praying that prayer, hoping that God will give me opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. But listen, listen. I can't do that alone. It's not my job to be the sole source of everyone's eternal destination. That'd be a heavy load to carry. That's our job. It's just as much your job as it is mine. As the body of Christ. You don't have to do it alone. We do it together. We are the church. We're part of the mission of Jesus Christ. We're the gathered ones, the assembled ones. So will you stand with me ready for whatever God brings our way so that we will be ready to take the message of Jesus Christ to the lost and dying and the pagans and all of them so that we can, in God's strength, help them to find Christ who will save them and love them and guide them into eternal life. Would you stand with me in this endeavor. Will you stand linking arms together as the body of Christ so that when we go forward from here, five years from now, ten years from now, that we can look back and say, only God, only God, and we were willing, but only God did that. And so I ask, would you figuratively stand, but would you actually stand as well. Would you stand in this moment? If today you'd like to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, please come. I'd love to share with you just as I did with Caitlin and Braden in my office that day. I'm working on them to get them here to church. They're not ready for that yet, but hopefully they will. But I'd love to share with you
how you can trust Christ as well. If you need to respond to him in any way today, this, this altar is open. Come pray. I'd love to pray with you as well. However you need to hear his voice and follow him and be ready for what he has, what he has for you, to embrace whatever he has for you, you come and do that work and that business with him in these moments as we sing. Let me pray, and we're going to sing, God, guide our steps, lead us, Lord, and help us to go forward in the name of Christ. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.